On this episode of the Aka Education Podcast, Justin speaks with Jason Luciana, choral and theater director at Plymouth South High School in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Jason talks about his best of high school a cappella featured group, South Avenue, his own group, Elevate, and striking the balance between the two. Let's get ready. It's time for some Aka Education. It's Hey everybody, it's Justin Glodish with the Aka Education Podcast. We are on episode 30, and this week I have a very special guest. He is the high school theater and choral director at Plymouth South High School in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and his name is Jason Luciana. Jason, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. I'm excited, man. I know that um, I've been, you know, we've been in contact. We actually, small world, my wife is uh, good friends with one of your colleagues. So it's nice to actually meet you. And um, you've been doing some great things, not just in your own, you know, educational profession, but, you know, some of the stuff I've been doing outside that I want to talk about today too. But let's first talk about um, what you're doing uh, at Plymouth. You have your own group there, South Avenue. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about South Avenue and uh, what they do? Sure. Um, so South Avenue is an audition mixed, mixed range acapella group. Um, we audition in the spring of sort of the previous year. And then um, we have a summer retreat that we spend time getting to know each other and learning our first couple arrangements. Um, we rehearse twice a week. We're an extracurricular uh, ensemble, so we don't meet during the school day. <clears throat> so we rehearse every Monday and Thursday. Uh, for about two hours. So it's about four hours of rehearsal a week. That's not bad. And you, you mentioned a summer, um, a summer retreat. Um, is that something that you do at the school? Do you um, pretty much send them all materials beforehand? Or is that when you first get together and you hand everything out then? So um, we establish the summer retreat date late in the year, usually around May or June. And then um, I'll give them materials just to look over early in the summer, but I don't put a whole lot of pressure on them because I want them to sort of walk away from school and enjoy the summer and not think about, um, you know, anything that they have to work on. But as it gets closer, our our retreat is usually in August and uh, Mm -hmm. we will usually spend a good amount of time getting to know each other and just doing team building and group building activities and sort of, um, getting to know each other as human beings and as musicians and as, and sort of trying to find the core energy of the group. And then I'll Mm -hmm. give them their first arrangement or two that we'll get ready for that fall. Wow. And I know that, I mean, I think all of us can agree. It's been mentioned on every single episode that the past year, we're getting close to one year since we were, you know, kicked out of our schools in March, you know, Um, the, the audition process has most likely changed for you, even, you know, singing uh, in, in your classroom and things like that. So how did your audition process differ this past year than in years past? So what I did this past year Usually I would have a, an, an initial round of auditions where the kids will sing in person, two selections um, 
contrasting styles, pop, you know, pop acapella or pop contemporary music. Um, this year, they submitted videos of themselves, mm -hmm. um, and that's likely what we'll do again this coming spring is uh, the kids will nice. submit videos of themselves singing. And then um, what I did this past year was really I, I borrowed, quote unquote, uh, a lot of what the Acapella Academy audition does. So the, mm -hmm. the two videos of uh, songs and then scale videos and a personal statement. And then I sent the kids snippets of two arrangements that they had to learn. And they just played the arrangement in the background, the demo. Mm -hmm. And then they sang along with the demo. And I um, adjudicated them based on that. And then I had two guest adjudicators um, who mm -hmm. I sent the videos and the, all the materials out to. And I sent them a rubric mm -hmm. and all of the evaluation materials that they needed. And then we had a Google Meet or Zoom call where um, we talked about the auditions and sort of how the kids did, who seemed to be the best uh, for the group. And then that was it for this year. I usually do a callback where mm -hmm. there's a group audition and the kids have to perform the arrangement that I give them um, in person, but we didn't have that option last year. So I had, I kind of cut the audition process a little short slash changed it a little bit to adjust to where we were. Mm. You know, one of the things that you just said that I actually find really interesting, uh, mostly because I know that for me personally, the auditions usually fall on me. Mm. Maybe I'll ask a colleague once or twice, you know, like, what do you think? I'm having trouble figuring these two out or whatever. But you bring in outside adjudicators, which I think um, is actually beneficial to you because then, you know, say you get a discrepancy, you know, a student is is unhappy with the decisions that were made. You really, you have, you know, backup option, you know, you have backup to say, you know, there wasn't just me, it was these other people. And I don't know if many other educators um, are doing that, mm. you know, in terms of uh, their audition process, usually it falls solely on them. And, you know, if the, the wrong thing happens, you know, then it's, it's a whole firestorm of crazy that uh, is bound to happen. So uh, kudos to you for bringing other people. It also gives other people an opportunity to see what your group is about and what, you know, what your plans are, which I think is great. Now, in terms of performing, uh, I know that there's, there's the studies out there, you know, there's the UC Boulder study, there's this study, there's that study. Things seems to have changed, but they haven't changed in I think everyone's requirements in terms of what you can do singing wise varies by district, even by neighboring districts. Mm. So um, how have you managed the, the masked singing, you know, singing indoors or outdoors with proper ventilation? How are you handling that in your district? So it's tricky because in the state of Massachusetts right now, uh, our Department of Education's decided that indoor singing is unsafe, period. So mm -hmm. they've prohibited it. Uh, there's no indoor singing happening right now. So our options are sing outdoors, uh, masked 10 feet apart. Uh, that, that's our option. Oh, wow. So um, it's been really, it's one of the hardest years I've taught, um, other than maybe my first year teaching. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is... In my vocal ensembles, we try, we've tried to do a lot of supplemental material. Um, like everybody else is doing, our choral ensembles have become a little bit theory, a little bit music appreciation, a little bit composition, arranging, 
Um, but we've also tried to put together some you know, virtual core, virtual choir stuff, grid vid stuff. Uh, the, the real challenge has been helping students who don't feel comfortable recording themselves. Yes. Working around that and, and finding right. ways to give them opportunities and to still help them have a meaningful choral experience while maybe not participating in a virtual chorus um, because, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable forcing any student or, you know, mandating any student to be a part of any kind of recording project. Right. Um, so that's really been a challenge. We've put out one, one grid video so far with a few members from my Mixed and Trouble chorus, and then we're in the process of putting together South Avenue's ICHSA video, and then mm -hmm. I've got we've got two grid videos in the works for the spring and that's probably going to do it for us. That's, you know, when I, when I pulled the students and pulled the kids, they all seem to agree that, you know, one or two songs for the rest of the year seems to be in their wheelhouse. Um, they've got that, you know, they've got the bandwidth for that. And otherwise I think that's what's, that's where we're going to have to be. The, uh, the contributing factor that complicates all this too, is that right now with our hybrid model, I'm only seeing my classes physically once a week. Mm -hmm. So when I break that down to the, to the, for the rest of the year, I only see my seniors, I think 14 more times in person. Oh, wow. And then my underclassmen, I only see about 17 or 18 more times in person. So that, that right. too really limits um, what we're able to do. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The The hybrid model has been, almost, I feel double the work, triple the work sometimes to make sure that everyone's engaged. You're looking at a, at a camera, but you're also looking at faces in front of you. It's, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to one thing that you did say about um, the students who are a little bit more self-conscious about them singing by themselves. And I mean, you and I have been teaching for, for a good amount of years in, in the sense that when you notice, I've noticed that I have students who are more than happy being the ensemble singers being students that don't need to be out in the in the in the limelight they enjoy it for the sheer joy of singing mm -hmm. and but um and when they're with a full group and they're able to sing they're able to balance and blend in and not necessarily bring their voice out more they're more exposed now now that they have to you know perform these videos at home we don't know what the dynamic is at home in terms of the support that they're getting you know i know i you know my parents used to joke with me it's like oh wow that was that was that was horrible you know they would like <laughs> like and that that that, would, that could be like a self esteem thing for for some students being told that they're not not good enough <laughs> so i value what you said as an educator saying you know you're not going to force them to do that i think we've all come to the conclusion that every student is different and every student you know succeeds in a different way in a variety of ways so um and you're not challenging your students to the point where you're not you're not forcing like a full year's worth of repertoire or a full year's normal year's worth of you know work they understand it you've involved them in the process by asking them like what they feel and i think a lot of educators have been doing that but there there still might be some educators out there that are really trying to push push mm -hmm. push push and it might be for their own personal sake but it also might be from their administrators point of view it's like you know we're going to treat this as a normal year as much as possible and i just i've just i've disagreed with it's, that you know yeah I, it's it's it's, tr it's really tricky because 
we are uh, educators who are, are per, the evidence of what we do is very much in the performances that we put on for the community. Um, mm-hmm. That now, you know, that's arguable. You know, we, we can have right. conversations <laughs> about that. But in, but in the communities, from the community's perspective, from some of our administrators' perspectives, and even, you know, from some of our perspectives, we have to, this year's really forced me and, and a lot of colleagues I've talked to, to reevaluate what they value in the classroom mm-hmm. and what music education, what vocal music education looks like. And, and part of that is still performance. I've had those conversations where, you know, I've had students say, I joined chorus to sing. I didn't join, I, I didn't join chorus to, you know, learn music theory necessarily all the time or learn, you know, how to notate or, you know, all of that is included in a normal year anyway, but we're still singing on a daily basis and we're still performing. And the, the, the whole idea behind the ensemble is for us to be singing. And right. we've had to sort of reimagine that and rein, reinvent what we do a little bit more this year than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. I agree. I just, uh, I, I found that, you know, I teach sixth grade. So these, all these students came from four different elementary schools when mm-hmm. they, they came into my building and now um, trying to get them to enjoy. And, and I'm not sure about your numbers, mm-hmm. but I know that my numbers have dropped drastically because of, you know, said students who wanted to be in there to sing or students who are hundred percent remote, didn't realize that they could take chorus. They would just be singing from home. A variety of things come into play this year. And um, I think it's fair to say, you know, we're, we're getting by with what we can mm-hmm. and, you know, and the hope is, is that we continue rebuilding after this starts to, you know, dissipate, starts to go away. Um, now let's go, go into curriculum and, you know, repertoire, you know, sure. you mentioned doing a couple songs here, there. Um, and I'm just curious as to how, how much you use acapella, you know, for me personally, um, piano was never my strong suit. Um, you know, so I always relied on acapella, you know, I always found that if I was behind the piano, you know, chunking out parts or clunking out parts, I'm not sure how much the students were, were, um, you know, getting uh, to, to, keep in within their brains, you know? So I always tried to make them sing without the piano as much as possible. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what are some things that you've done uh, to incorporate acapella, not just for South Avenue, but for your vocal ensembles? So that's been, it's been a journey for me as a, as mm. a choral educator. I came from the school of standing behind the piano, plinking out parts, or mm. um, I was also very spoiled in my, education in that I was never really challenged to lead a rehearsal from behind the piano or from without a piano. Uh, I had always mm. had an accompanist or somebody that was, mm. that was there for me to play parts or play uh, music accompaniment for me. And so I am not a person who is incredibly comfortable beyond, behind the piano. I am functional at the piano and that's been a source of great insecurity on my part um, throughout my career. So uh, finally, I listened to, I've been a podcast junkie through all of this. And mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago, I, I listened to a podcast that basically said, take a rehearsal and don't use the piano once at all, no matter what. If the piece has accompaniment, mm-hmm. if the piece, you know, if the kids know the part, if they don't know the part, whatever. Don't use the piano once. And so I did that for about a week. And I started realizing that, A, 
I didn't need the piano during a rehearsal necessarily. And B, we were actually doing a lot more musical things mm-hmm. um, without the piano. You know, we were we were listening more. We were paying attention to notes and rhythms a lot more. Um, there was less zoning out. Kids who weren't maybe singing their part, they had to pay attention. Right. And I could and and not being behind the piano, I could pay attention to more uh, a more percentage of the ensemble mm-hmm. and what they were doing, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it really became vital to me to to use a cappella in my chorus rehearsals. Now I still fight it every now and then. Right. Um, I still use the piano a little bit more than I probably should. Mm-hmm. And um and that is, that's something I'm definitely <laughs> trying to get better about. But um, it's been something I've tried to incorporate more and more um, every year. Right. Now, in terms of your repertoire selection, do you end up, um, you know, finding that happy balance between, you know, a, an accompanied piece versus an acapella piece? Um, do you, are you more like 80-20 or are you more like right down the middle, 50-50 in terms of your repertoire selection? a really good question i've been i've i've thought about that um and i think my students could probably tell you better than i could but but i think i've i've tried to strike a really good balance between pieces that are accompanied and pieces that aren't aren't accompanied mm-hmm. um acapella pieces are always a little risky um especially with some of my younger singers mm-hmm. um but but i i like to think that i've struck a really good balance um in the past, I know this year I've been a lot more conscious uh, about whether I'm using accompaniment or not, only, purely because honestly, when you're doing a grid vid, accompaniment is another factor that you have to take into account. Yeah. Like tempo and whether it lines up with all the entrances, the cutoffs, and that kind of thing. So I've actually tried to avoid using accompaniment this year. We're doing one piece that has a piano part and that's it. The rest of the pieces that we've been doing this year have been completely acapella. Awesome. Just honestly to make it easier in terms of um, editing and mixing it. Right. And when we, when we talk about acapella, I, I, um, we're not just talking about, you know, contemporary acapella, we're talking about all acapella, you know? So um, I just want to make sure that listeners yeah. understand that, you know, we, we, I push contemporary acapella on this podcast, like, whoa, cause I mean, yeah, <laughs> but um, I think it's important, you know, talking about a lot of the older, um, you know, acapella selections, a lot of some of that great music out there that, you know, is just the beauty of the voice, you no know, piano needed, you know? So um, I think it's important for that to be <laughs> mentioned out there that we're not, no, absolutely. We're not, you know, we're not just pushing out, you know, um, pentatonics arrangements here and there. It's, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> It's some other stuff too. So um, now in terms of just your involvement in acapella, there's a great festival that's been going on in the Northeast for, you know, gosh, many years now called New England Voices. Um, And I believe Mm -hmm. it's now an acapella educators association um, tied in event, but it's been around longer than the acapella educators association. And you had a hand in bringing that around. So can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, setting up the New England Voices Festival and what it was like? Sure. Um, I mean, I hope this doesn't tread too much into like TMI category or, or getting too much into like my personal story, but like, um, so any voices, I think this year turned 10, either 10 or 11. It's been around for close to a decade, if not a little over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've been blessed 
that I am surrounded by educators in Massachusetts who <clears throat> have really helped me become a better educator, a better human being. Um, and about 10 years ago, I really found myself in uh, in a little bit, of, I, I had either plateaued or I had like quarried. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it. But I just found myself in a place where I was really unhappy with my level of musicianship, really unhappy with my level of, of um, pedagogy in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I re was really feeling that I had hit sort of this, this space of mediocrity where mm -hmm. um, I wasn't getting any better. I wasn't getting any worse, but where I was, wasn't all that great. Gotcha. So I really, I reached out to just educators in my area who I knew were doing amazing work with vocal music, with choral music, um, and in music education in general. And I just started asking for help. And one of those educators reached out to me and said, we are thinking about starting this festival that we want to be focused less on competition, more on education. And we're going to uh, call it any voices. Um, and we'd like you for you to, you know, help us out, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Um, and, you know, I, I jumped right in and said, yes. And, uh, you know, we, my school, the, the, the placement that I was at at the time, uh, we hosted the festival for a few years. Uh, it started out at our middle school and then it moved over to our high school. Once, uh, once a new high school was built and, um, and it really became this, it really became this uh, driving force for a lot of groups every year to, you know, I, I started getting kids saying to me, you know, oh, when is any voices this year? When's any voices going to be? And since then, it's really taken off and it's become this, this great little festival that um, offers high school kids an opportunity to um, improve themselves as musicians, but also improve their groups, you know, to take, take back things about marketing, things about recording, things about, uh, perf you know, stage performance, arranging, take the, those things back to their groups um, so that they can get better mm -hmm. um, and improve themselves. So it's, it was really, it was really a blessing um, at the time. I'm not on the board anymore. I, I stepped back this past year because <clears throat> my job at Plymouth South was starting to require a little bit more of me because I, I run the theater program and I run the choral, the, choral program there mm -hmm. so there just weren't enough hours in the day for me to be there never to be involved in those things yeah <laughs> so um so but uh i do know that this year they had a virtual festival that was that was really successful um so it's it it's really it was a huge blessing in my life and something i really needed uh, to be involved with at the time. It made me a better educator. Mm. I think what's great about those types of festivals is that, like you said, you're not focusing on competition. Um, you know, in, mm. in New York, we have our, you know, they're called our NISMA festivals, our state school music association mm -hmm. festivals. And they're not necessarily competitions. They're really opportunities uh, to get um, a rating, uh, depending on how you fit within the specific criteria of the rubric that has been set forth. Um, but, mm. you know, in terms of those types of festivals, like any voices or even like the, um, the national, the NAC festival, that's going to be in Florida next year. Um, you know, they look at the, um, 
the all aspects of it. You said marketing, you're talking about stage performance, you're talking about like even like arranging vocal percussion. There's all these different aspects that are a part of those festivals. And it's not just focused strictly on, you know, the music, but just making mm-hmm. you a more well-rounded musician and person. You know, I, I know, I mean, gosh, there's so many things that are involved in the acapella world and just in the world in general that like, if you just focus strictly on the music, you wouldn't realize all these other great things that there are um, within the the genre itself or within the um, the workspace in itself. So I love that. Yeah. 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 And if, if I can add to that, something that being a, being a theater director, we've, we've been involved in theater festivals for my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's, something that's always um, been the most, one of the most important factors to me for kids to be involved in any festival is, um, and especially for acapella groups, <clears throat> you know, most acapella groups, high school, middle school um, are between 12, 16. Sometimes you get like, 17, 18 kids, depending on the group. Right. But, but that's it. And in a school of, whether you're in a small school of, you know, 400, 500 students or in a bigger school of eight, nine, or, you know, a thousand plus, getting all of those artistic, creative kids together in one space and getting them to see other kids from other schools doing what they do mm-hmm. and loving what they do like I can't tell you the the amount of energy that that injects instantly into a group um, for them to meet other kids from other schools doing what they do. Uh, it's, it's irreplaceable. There's, there's no way um, <clears throat> there's nothing else that it, that can compare to it. And uh, every time my kids would go to any voices, whether they competed or not, whether they participated in the performance or not, they would always come back to school with tons of ideas and mm-hmm. ready to like jump right back into what we were doing. Um, so that alone is worth the the cost of admission. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would have loved to have something like this, you know, when I was, when I was in middle school and high school, just to have that opportunity to, to, I mean, the thing that we've talked about in this podcast for so many weeks, almost every episode is the idea of networking and, you know, mm-hmm. meeting people who, you know, again, who are on the same level as you, you know, who knows some of those students, they might be going to the same college next year. You know, they're now there, you already got friends that, you know, you've met before you're making those connections a few years down down the road, gosh, who knows, you know, who you could be calling upon, uh, that you met at a festival like that. You know, I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. The, the idea of networking and making those friendships and those relationships is huge, you know? And, um, I, I think, you know, I've, I've never been to any voices. I've been to a couple of, you know, festivals myself, but it's, it's been, I've been to theater festivals too. And it's just the, the camaraderie mm-hmm. that comes around from all these students from all over the places is, is very important. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now let's talk about, you know, outside of the education world, you are actually um, a part of your own group that you founded uh, called Elevate. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about, you know, your group Elevate and um, how you're able to make that balance between, you know, being the educator who's in charge of two departments, you know, within your own building, but also uh, maintaining a, a performance professional career as well? Sure. Uh, about four years ago, I, um, I had started to sort of look around our area and look around, um, the Boston and Southeastern Massachusetts area and just start, sort of started realizing that, um, there weren't a whole lot of, 
um, vocal bands, like small form vocal ensembles. And I had been involved in a, a larger form uh, acapella group for about five years. And I had started thinking that it might be time for a change. And I wanted to sort of, I wanted to, I wanted a, a group experience that challenged me musically, um, but also was sort of different than, than a lot of what was out there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I just started asking around and sort of poking around and listening to a lot of, of vocal band stuff and sort of just doing my research before I jumped in. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to just go with it and held auditions. And I think this is our technically our second year, but we've been off for a lot of this year. We had, we've had one project that we've been involved in that should be coming out soon. But other than that, it's been a pretty quiet year because of live performance and because of everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I auditioned, I auditioned members. I, and I also uh, asked a couple of people, friends of mine who I knew would be interested and were up for it. Um, and then my wife, uh, Christina was also gracious enough to agree to be in the group, um, as one of our, uh, altos and slash, uh, mezzos. And so it kind of just came together and, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been a really, um, challenging, but rewarding experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never run a group like this before. So I, I really went into it not knowing what the heck I was doing. And so I, you know, again, I leaned a lot on people who had been doing it for years and, and listened to a lot of podcasts and kind of made a lot of mistakes along the way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's been a good experience thus far. We've been, we've had a lot of fun, That's good. Um, even though this year has been tough. Yeah. It's, it's been a tricky year for everybody, but um, you know, you have a couple of uh, videos, a couple of recordings that are that are up on YouTube. I listen to they're they're done really well, and um, like you said, you are you know we all you mentioned you know mistakes. I mean, know that when I was with my group, oh my gosh, we made a mistake every day. It was like, oh, uh, did you call that guy? Did are we supposed to have a gig today? Like just little things <laughs> like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have that network of, of folks around and, you know, and your wife, you know, taking part as well, that's huge. And um, so in terms of like arranging within your own group, do you, um, do you all have a hand in that? Do you pull arrangements from other people or how does that work? Uh, we are blessed. We have two, we have actually three members of our group who are e- extremely good arrangers. Um, so mm-hmm. we've, we've taken to arranging our own material early on. We, uh, Early on, we used other people's arrangements just to give us something to get started, give us something to sing. But um, mm-hmm. but for the past year or so, it's been mostly um, three of our members, Nate, Sarah, and Liz, who have been doing the arranging, and they're amazing. I am I am by no means an arranger, nor should I mm-hmm. ever arrange anything. I've I've learned that much <laughs> about myself at this point, um, so I tend to just like let them tell me what I'm supposed to sing and. I handle the business of the group and then, and that let them do that. <laughs> That's awesome. And you, you even said, you know, each member of the group has like a role or responsibility within the group, you mm-hmm. know, and I know, and you might agree with me, uh, you might disagree. I know that with the fault line, the group I was in, we each had our own thing, 
you know, um, I was the guy who contacted all of the schools because I, apparently I was the nicest one and wouldn't be snarky <laughs> when it came to, you know, talking to other educators. I was the people person, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then we had our lead singer. He was the guy who would, who would talk at gigs, you know, try and get the crowd riled up and things like that. We had one guy who was really good with the money. So obviously he was making sure that all of our, you know, merch was ready to go, but it's, um, I'm you delegate responsibilities to make sure that you have like a well-oiled machine with your group, correct? Yeah, we have, we have to, that's something yeah. we learned really, really early on. And again, it's the, it's the whole, you know, when you're the, when you're the educator and, and you're dealing with 15 students, or even your, if you're dealing with 12 or 10, you're still in charge of that group. You know, you right. have to, you know, you can have a business manager, a student business manager, but at the end of the day, it still falls on you to make sure that that student communicates with the people that they need to, you know, mm -hmm. whereas in a, in an adult run group, um, a, you can delegate quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and B, I feel that, you know, the communication between adults is comforting in a way. Um, there's less on me individually right. as a person and I can relax knowing that, you know, Nate, has his thing that he's doing. Sarah has her thing that she's doing. Liz is taking care of, of, you know, this thing. And I know that, you know, when we meet for rehearsal on Wednesday or we have a business meeting on zoom that it's going to go smoothly because everybody has taken care of everything that they've taken care of. So the business looking at the business modeling of running a group has been a real learning experience and we're still learning. Like we still don't have it streamlined yet. It's, there are still many, many bumps that we have to smooth out um, from here on out. But, but it's been, it's been interesting having to run a group that way. Yeah. I, and I love that you brought up the difference between, you know, working with your students versus working with your peers, mm -hmm. because, you know, there are those differences. I mean, you teach high school and you said you have, you know, specific duties that are aligned to some students. I have middle school students who, you know, aren't as, as well versed or as strong as some of those high school students. But, you know, it's, but at the end of the day, you're, you're still the one and you're the CEO, basically you're the one in charge, making sure that your company is running smoothly. Um, now, now, before we get going, I wanted to ask, um, what are your, what, do you, what is upcoming for, you know, South Avenue for Elevate for Jason, you know, what's upcoming uh, for you? Yeah, uh, lot. We've got some exciting things coming up. Actually, uh, we just finished. For so for South Avenue, we just finished shooting our first music video. We had nice. we've I've never shot a music video before. My I don't think my kids ever have. Um, so we're we just wrapped shooting. We just wrapped filming last week, and we're editing the audio this week for it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's for you know ICHSA. Uh, but we're also going to submit it. Our school, our district has a film festival. So mm. I think we're going to submit it to that and just sort of get as much mileage out of this as we can. Nice. Um, so that's been exciting. And watching, you know, uh, the, the neat thing about it is it was entirely student directed. Right. Uh, I had two directors. The film crew was students. It was arranged by a student. And it's going to be mixed by a student as well. Wow. So, this is the least I've had to do for a project, which is exciting and petrifying at the same time. <laughs> um, but that's really, that's really cool. And, and that's going to come out on, I think the quarterfinals are the 13th of March. Yep. That Saturday is. Um, and then elevate. 
So we just collaborated with a local children's chorus, South Shore Children's Chorus, mm-hmm. and this her their wonderful director, um, Kirsten Oberoi. And uh, we collaborated with them. We did some Zoom workshops with them. It was all supposed to be in person back when we agreed to do it and we signed contracts and everything. It was going to be in person and it was going to be this whole thing. But, uh, but things had to change a little bit. So instead, we did some Zoom workshops with the kids, which were great. <clears throat> and then we put together a choral piece with them and with some other schools uh, that Kirsten had contacted that are actually in other states. Um, and I'm not pr- exactly sure where, uh, but we wrapped filming for that a couple months ago. The audio is all done. And now she's just adding some finishing touches visually. And that should be out probably within the next month or so. That's cool. Um, and so that's what we've got coming up so far. Awesome. That's fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah, I, it's I just, exciting. I, I give you all the credit because, you know, it, it hasn't been easy. And we are approaching one year of this, this COVID-19 pandemic. and That's um, crazy. I can't it, believe that. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine that this all started a year ago and what, we, what our lives have become. But, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see, you know, colleagues like yourself, you know, still, you know, raising the bar, still pushing yourself um, professionally and educationally with your students and making sure, you know, you even said a whole student run video, audio, just everything. That's, that's, that's a true testament to where you're at as an educator and what your students um, have really learned um, under your tutelage. So I give you all the congratulations, man. That's, that's fantastic. I appreciate it, but I couldn't do it without them. And I couldn't do it yeah. without like the support of my administrators and and the educators in my district. They're all amazing. Awesome. I'm I'm that's like I'm looking forward to it. Like I know that my group is a part of this ICHSA competition as well. And on March 13th, we already got a bookmark, man. We're like we're ready nice. to see all of these different videos, and just you know the the work ethic that all these students have put forth across, you know, across the country, really. You know, and that's I know gonna be that, the crazy thing is yeah. we're gonna see all these videos from all these groups that have never done videos before. Right. So it's gonna be it's gonna be so fascinating to see what everybody's like first video looks like. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's there was always that push for the ICCA, you know, for the, the collegiate students, because those students, you know, they've been hard, hardly been able to have rehearsals themselves because campuses have been either locked down or shut down or oh, it's you know, been even, awful. even just yeah. knowing my own my own personal college, you know, the group I was in in college, they've been doing their own like online videos, like doing solo work because they haven't really been able to have the opportunity to meet together so uh it's very um i'm really excited to see the the collaborative uh the collaborative effort of all of these students from across the country uh come march 13th with the uh the competitions yeah absolutely Um, so uh jason it has been truly a pleasure to finally get to meet you and have this uh, opportunity to talk with you this week on the aka education podcast i'm so grateful that you had me on this is so cool thank you very much Absolutely. Now, before we go, is uh, is there anywhere that we can find your um, for South Avenue? You know, find recordings or um, or even with Elevate. Is there anywhere we can find Elevate as well? Sure. So uh, South Avenue has two singles out: "Secret for the Mad" that just got uh, we just got put on the Best of High School acapella, which is really exciting. Awesome. Um, and uh, we have another single called "Youth" uh, that's out. You can find that on uh, I. Apple Music and Spotify. I almost said iTunes. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Elevate has two singles out. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Music as well. 
And otherwise, we're on Twitter um, at Elevate Vocals, and then South Avenue is uh, out sa- at South Ave Aka, and then um, and then my Twitter is at Tritone Joes. Awesome, Jason Luciana. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts, and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I want to once again thank my guest, Jason Luciana, for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Be sure to check out his groups, South Avenue and Elevate. And good luck to all of those participating in the ICHSA and the ICCA competition next week. You're going to do great. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at Aka Ed Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes are released every Wednesday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Akaville Radio, akaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.